Welcome to the HR Chat Podcast, bringing the best of the HR, talent, and leadership communities to you. For more episodes and the latest articles covering what's new in the world of work, visit hrgazette.com, subscribe and follow us on social media. Welcome to another episode of the HR Chat Show. I'm your host today, Bill Badham. And in this episode, we're going to focus on employee appraisals. My guest this time, my superstar guest this time, is Lucinda Carney, founder and CEO of Actus Performance Management Software, which was launched in 2009 and has over 70,000 users across the globe, listeners. Lucinda is a chartered psychologist with 20 years corporate HR experience, and she's considered a thought leader in a range of people management and change-related business topics. She is also an accomplished speaker, consultant, and coach, and she was named Every Woman Tech Entrepreneur of the Year in 2016 and winner of one of the UK top 10 women in business 2020 by business game changer magazine lucinda also hosts the popular hr uprising podcast and we're definitely gonna be talking about that today and her book is called how to be a change superhero which was published in may 2020 reaching number one bestseller status in multiple amazon categories i told you she's a superstar listeners hey lucinda welcome to the show today Hi there. Gosh, I feel I've got something to live up to there with that amazing introduction. Thank you. I'm delighted to be here. So beyond my wee introduction there, Lucinda, why don't you start by taking a minute or two and telling our listeners a bit more about yourself? Um, I suppose the thing that's most relevant uh, in this context is that my background uh, prior to 2009 was a a corporate learning and development and HR person. So uh, I guess you could call call me a sort of a, a gamekeeper turned poacher in some ways. But what that really means is I do have huge empathy from my own personal experience of working in organizations um, as to the challenges of uh, being in HR and learning and development and that's one of the things I try to use in the podcast very much to make sure it's really practical and there's always things that are takeaways for people because we don't always have time to go out do we and, and to get that best practice and that's why podcasts like yours and hopefully mine are really helpful for people. We'll be right back to this conversation after this very brief message from today's sponsoring partner. The days of matching web keyword searches with resumes and job descriptions is over. It's all about cultural fit. Workzinger empowers job seekers looking for jobs and employers looking for new hires to have thoughtful and insightful conversations, making the recruiting process more successful for both sides. Learn more at workzinger.com. Wonderful. Thank you very much. Okay, so today we are talking about the dreaded employee appraisal. Bill, you're loading this question already by using such words. Uh, Some people love them. Uh, Lots of people hate them. Uh, But that's where we're going today. So um, first question, uh, why why are appraisals so unpopular? Well, I think it is undoubtedly because of how they're conducted. I think anything that you feel is without purpose um, is a bit out of date is backward looking and perhaps your manager is going through the motions and nothing's ever going to come of it even if you tell them for the last five years that you want to move a different role that's why I think people tend to be cynical about the annual appraisal because of that whole context that actually really none of us in a workplace 
the workplace work moves so quickly, doesn't it, that looking back on something over 12 months just isn't relevant. Um, but it is largely down to the way it's conducted and the, the concept. If you look at what behavioural science says in terms of what people do want is they want feedback, uh, increasingly so. People want to have feedback and that's both uh, critical feedback in terms of what they can do better, but also recognition. And people are motivated by clear goals and feedback. So I suppose answering the question twice, why? Because of how it's how it's done, because it can feel out of date, uh, because it feels like something which is a process that people are just going through the motions. But that is about the behavior. That's about the, the, the way the process is managed by HR, but also the way managers um, get involved in it and the level of empowerment for the individual. If you turn that on its head, if you have people having ongoing conversations, meaningful conversations with goals and feedback, then actually that's highly engaging. And that's exactly what people do want. OK, thank you. Do you feel that I mean, we've got lots of amazing technologies at our disposal today when it comes to human capital and understanding employees and so on. But do, do you feel that when it comes to the the annual or maybe the six monthly appraisal, that there is still a worry that it's open to subject subjectivity from from the manager uh, when, when they happen? You know, that they they may have formed their own opinions about an employee and that can still that can still drip through into the appraisal process. Well, I guess the the way I look at that is that people managers now, I know you've got a, a, a large Canadian American audience. We've got, I'm talking for the UK audience um, in terms of a lot of my experience or the research that I've looked at. The skills of people managers or line managers can be really, really variable. And uh, yes, some managers may be very subjective. Some people are in people management roles and they don't want to be in them. And so, yes, people may be concerned about those. Sometimes that can be extra painful if the appraisal is linked to, say, performance related pay and the individual doesn't think that it's got uh, a robust moderation or calibration process behind it. Again, that's something which is in HR's gift as to where it is. So the two things, I think those risks can be there. Uh, the way in which I as an HR professional would want to mitigate those is to make sure that any process that is in place regarding reward and assessment is something which is robust it's got um, a moderation or a calibration element to it and that we train our line managers to be able to give good quality feedback which is with things like behavioral evidence so it's not just pure subjective it's actually not just judgmental uh, I, I'm good at giving examples of the skills that someone used the achievements that they've done against a smart objective if people have got smart objectives that takes away some of the subjectivity Maybe I might go and get feedback from others in the vicinity as to 360 feedback as to what the views of other people are, because as a line manager, particularly in a hybrid environment at the moment, I may not have seen everything the individual does. Uh, so there's lots of ways in which you can take away that subjectivity. But as HR, we have to expect, train, um, support our line managers to do that, to make sure that it is a fair process. Okay, thank you. Now then, uh, as a as a millennial, I'm 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 constantly craving attention and feedback, Lucinda. Um, I'm sure you've come across this lots and lots of times. Uh, that that's what millennials are known for. Okay, um, and and therefore you get a lot of options these days in companies where it, it is all about constant touch points, about you know um, getting getting employee feedback on a daily or, or weekly basis. So my next question for you then is. The, the the employee appraisal as, as we understand it being an annual thing are they are they still relevant today 
I think they are relevant if they are the culmination of a series of monthly, quarterly conversations as well. Um, and that's where they can be helpful for things like succession planning. As I say, if there is a pay and reward, you have to have a culmination, you have to have a completion. Um, in, in many businesses, having uh, having clarity about what's expected of you and aligning your goals and objectives with the business goals and objectives, that it tends to be an annual process. So I think that's legitimate. Uh, but again, it really does... It's about having the regular conversations is what the key is. It, there should be both. It's not one or the other. It should be both. Um, to your point about uh, feedback just being a millennials thing, it's interesting. When you dig into that, uh, the evidence actually appears that everybody wants feedback. Uh, everyone wants good quality feedback. And uh, it, it's, it's cross-generational. It's maybe more about the expectations of people overall that they want to grow and it's to do with engagement if we, we did a we did a research review where we got a, a psychologist to look at last 50,000 uh, last 50 years worth of literature around what actually drives high performance and it was clear objectives and regular review and feedback that came through and skilled managers so so those are the key elements and having that regular conversation Okay, very interesting. What, what about Gen Z or Gen Z for, for our North American uh, listeners? Where, where, where do they fit in? What, what, what are their preferences in terms of ways to, to communicate with their, with their bosses and, and to receive feedback? Are they, are they like millennials? Do they, do they want that constantly or do they have different motivations and they're happy for, for slightly less regular feedback? Where, where do they fit in? I don't know if I subscribe to the gen gen thing. I did. I, I I say I don't know that the evidence is out there. I think it's more about moving with the times, and certainly those people who are entering the workplace now they have greater need for immediacy. You know, it's, they're used to a, a faster culture. They're used to decent technology. Um, they they're very quick to to come up with with things. Um, yes, they want feedback. They want opportunities to grow. The the one thing that I would say that does appear to have data behind it in terms of Gen Z is, is they won't compromise. They they expect to have a life outside of work, uh, so they don't live to work like you might argue Gen X did. Um, they or they are very much more about the work needs to build around them. And so where that I think is key for us in an HR role is making sure that you're thinking about things like career paths. It's making sure that the psychological contract goes two way because these people will vote with their feet they don't feel hurrah it's a job for life and I've got to um, you know literally just work all the hours that are there and I need to I, I've got to be grateful for having my job it's very much these people are should be grateful to have me I've got a contribution and this is not the most important thing for me in the world there are things I want to do but it's not it's not the key aspect for me well, you raise an extremely good point there, Lucinda. Um, we are we are living through this great resignation or great reshuffle or whatever you want to call it. And um, I, I wonder if if a if a new employee um, sees an a, a, an annual appraisal process. I mean, to your point, with with other touch points built in throughout that, is that going to put them off? Is that going to maybe encourage them to go to another organisation which is more about consistent communications? Well, yeah, I think that's an, that's an interesting one. I think it's more about the culture that they feel they've come into. So, you know, if, if you could come into an organisation that has an annual appraisal, but you've got a brilliant boss who works with you weekly and agrees clear objectives, gives you great coaching, gives great um, support and development. Um, and actually, because they've got an annual process, they maybe have quite a well-organised um, 
a way of identifying people's development needs, feeding people into career plans, in which case, what's not to like about that? Equally, you could just as easily go into an organisation that goes through the motions with the annual appraisal. Um, and yeah, absolutely, you might all look to go somewhere else uh, in terms of that. What people want is for it to be personal, to be meaningful for them. They want to feel like a person, not a number. And that's that's the that's really, to be honest, it's less about the process. It's more about the way in which the process is conducted, which is actually almost going full circle to what we started, said at the start. So does the manager, is the manager bothered? Um, are there positive consequences of the appraisal process, i.e. people might get development or they may get career? Because I think one thing that's interesting to think about is that from a... The, the appraisal or the performance management process is what I prefer to think of it because the performance management process to me includes objectives, one-to-ones, development, career and appraisal. That's That process um, should be something that flows through the three year. It's not just one meeting, and which is very retrospective looking. It should be more forward looking, more meaningful. And it's something which allows us to, uh, it, it's two way in terms of the manager and the individual it's something which both parties are able to contribute to and therefore it feels like it's something that has meaning and purpose to the individual i agree okay let's talk about something else uh, that, that we both enjoy and that's that's hosting uh, a podcast now you're the host of the very popular hr uprising podcast tell our listeners all about it i, I understand there's nearly 150 episodes so far that's that's amazing congratulations take a couple of minutes and and, and tell us all about it Sure. Thank you for the opportunity. Yeah. So the HR Uprising podcast is three years old as, as we're recording this. It was a, a three years old at the start of June. And um, it's I, I suppose I, I decided to do it because I realised I'm getting a bit old, actually. I've realised I've been around the block a bit. There's things that um, I've learned and, and I know. And when I've been doing consulting with customers that I realised that a lot of these topics would be really useful to to be shared with others so there was there was two elements to it one was about um sharing some of the knowledge that i picked up and but sharing it in a way that's quite practical because i'm quite consider myself quite a pragmatist so um for example one of our most downloaded episodes was one of the earliest ones the third one which was demystifying organizational development which is a topic that people go what is od people actually do find it quite confusing so i'll try and share things like that another one's really practical really popular is one about interviewing we've done one about you know how to be a great interviewee how to do a great interview and you quite literally well, i've had people message me and say i've got jobs off the back of that so the the purpose of me is to share stuff which is going to be uh, supporting hr learning and development people professionals in their personal growth like you are here really in um by sharing topics with pragmatic takeaway points um, we've done 165 episodes, I think, as of this morning. Um, I also like to, when I get guests on who can be experts on things or to raise awareness. So I had one on the that went out this morning, which was about how we can work more with people with disabilities. Uh, the emphasis is across the piece. I try to do general HR overall top in terms of topics. And if I'm doing HR, I will bring in other experts because I don't see that's my area. If I'm doing things just more OD or learning and development, then that might be something which I'd call a solo episode where I'm uh, sharing information that I might have done on a webinar or otherwise. But the call, the final thing I say about it, the point of the HR uprising, the reason it's called that is that a bit like, you know, your disrupt HR that you're involved in, uh, it's, it's really about making sure 
HR is all too often criticised by seen as not being strategic enough, um, not being business focused enough. I think quite a lot of the time it's unfair. But a lot of the onus of what I'm trying to do in the show is to give people the tools that they may not get, particularly if they're an HR department of one. All right. So giving them some resources that can help them to punch above their weight, to rise up and be valued um, and respected uh, for the value that they bring to their organisation. Wonderful. Thank you. OK, 165 episodes so far. OK, I, I think I said under 150. So you, you guys are you're, you're doing loads, creating loads of content. Uh, uh, just very briefly, I'd, I'd love to hear from you if you've had uh, some favorite guests. You mentioned that you bring people on sometimes. Maybe you've had a favorite guest or two or someone who's perhaps been very impactful on you following following that conversation. Uh, any, yeah. any names that you want to throw out there? I've had loads of, of fantastic guests. It's really hard to pick out um, any particular ones. I was absolutely delighted to have Dave Ulrich because he was a bit of a personal hero of mine um, and he came on for our 100th episode. But do come and have a listen through because we've had some great people from uh, your side of the pond and some great less known people who are experts in their own right. Um, so I had a great a, a guy on recently about harnessing the power of people with disability and talents there um lots of lots of ones just to listen into and learn from depending on what the topic is that you're interested in so perhaps just come to hruprising.com you can have a look through the back catalogue and see what find you know what piques your interest perfect so we've been lucky enough to have dave on the hr chat show a couple of times most recently in february of this year and then i think previously it was may 2020 so listeners do check those ones out as well so listen you mentioned going to hr uprising.com how else can people connect with and learn more about you so linkedin's probably the easiest place to find me so it's lucinda.carney c-a-r-n-e-y i'm on there quite regularly i am on twitter sporadically um so uh, I, I any of the social channels really is the best way to connect I guess one of the other things is, of course, it can come to the actual Actus website, which is the company website, which is www.actus.co.uk. There you can find out lots of thought leadership. Um, we've got the research review I talked about and also find more about our software, which is Performance Management 360 and, and anything else that you're interested in. Brilliant. And as always, listeners, we will put a bunch of links in the show notes. So that just leaves me to say for today, Lucinda Carney, thank you so much for being my guest on this episode of the HR Chat Show. Thank you so much for having me. And listeners, as always, until next time, happy working. Thanks for listening to this episode of the HR Chat Podcast. There are hundreds of conversations with business experts available for free on the HR Gazette website, Apple, Spotify, and all the main platforms. And remember to like, subscribe, and follow us on social media.